0: Welcome to the podcast of Trinity Church London. You're listening to a message given on a Sunday morning. If you'd like to know more about us and the life of the church, please visit TrinityChurchLondon.com. Every January we we put in a Sunday and we normally we have a calendar on Church Suite and we normally just put in Vision Sunday. It's like a bit of a placeholder name. And I knew I was preaching 28th today. And ever since Christmas, I've been honestly struggling to know what to say. Normally, okay, something quick, quite quickly clicks into my brain. I think, okay, I've got a sense of what we're, we're doing. But I've been wrestling for this whole month, really, of like, what is it that's, that I should be saying today? And I felt over this last month this sense of like, God kind of wrestling me to a to a halt, as it were, and not to charge on into kind of leadership mode because leadership gifts are there to serve what the spirit is doing. Right. The spirit doesn't jump to our leadership gifts. Amen. We simply just serve and we're trying to sense what. And I've just sensed the Lord just slowing me down. I've been asking him, what is this season? Because I've sensed for us as a church that coming into 2024 is not just another ticking over. And I've been asking, what is the season that you are taking us into? What are you doing at the moment? And the thing that I've been sensing, and I think I sensed it end of last year, and people have been verbalizing this, I think, in different ways, is this, that the river of God that we are in is rising in 2024. I've sensed in my spirit, and I, I literally sense it almost like the waters are here and it's like the waters are coming up to here. I don't think we're swimming yet like Ezekiel, but I sense that this year is a year where the river of God, the spirit of God is going to be rising amongst us. Roshan asked me this morning, how are you feeling? Because I'd, I'd said what I was uh, um, sharing on, how are, you, how are you feeling? And I was like, I'm excited because I, f- I feel like I'm sensing the Lord. And I'm also nervous in a sense because I feel like I'm putting myself out there because I- I'm not given to just giving like optimistic this is going to be your best year yet. In fact, I'm kind of anti those kind of messages because the Lord says, come take up your cross and follow me. So like there are some biblical verses under that. But I do sense in my spirit that as a church, we're walking into deeper waters this year. And even having those guys, you guys coming, joining us, I think it's part of this deepening of the work of God in our midst. So it's a, it's a, I don't know if it's a fairly new thing or I'm just old getting to it but some people have like a word of the year some people do that I feel like it's quite a Gen Z thing it's not really like a Gen X thing or a millennial thing so we've never really done it but at Christmas turnaround Toria, she was just been praying and she has said a few times I sense 2024 is going to be a year of breakthrough and for us personally as a family and a few things going on But for us as a church, I've been praying that and we've often just kind of quoted that back to each other. It's a year of breakthrough. And I'm believing that this year for us is going to be a moment of breakthrough for us. Breakthrough financially, breakthrough with people gifts, breakthrough in the kingdom, breakthrough with growth, breakthrough in fruit, breakthrough in our workplaces, breakthrough with our families, breakthrough with sin and breakthrough in holiness. And that the waters are going to rise around us. And so what I want to just talk about really is I want to talk about the moment that we're in. And just I feel in many ways leadership is just in the church, just sensing what God is doing and just kind of naming it in a way. Which is why we went to Ezekiel and his prophecy, because we, we are living in that prophecy that that he talked about so i want to just talk about ezekiel and then i want to talk about us and then i want to talk about our response how how can we walk in this if if the river of god the spirit of god is going to rise amongst us if there's going to be a deepening of his work how are we going to respond to him because when we've received the prophetic word we don't kind of just put it in a journal or log it as something nice and then sit back pass passively to wait for it to happen do we 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 actually, it's to ignite faith, it's to ignite prayer, it's to ignite action. It's not like, oh, God's going to do this, let me watch and see. No, it's to ignite something in our lives. And so we need to ask, okay, if this is what God is doing with us in this moment, how are we going to respond? So let me just set the scene for us. Ezekiel, going back to the 6th century BC. He was a man who was growing up to become a priest in Jerusalem when the Babylonians ransacked Jerusalem and took a whole wave of Israelites down to Babylon. And Ezekiel was one of these men. And he was far from home. And in the years when he was due to become a priest he began to see these visions and these he began to dream dreams about the kingdom of God. And one of these dreams that he saw was about the the temple in Jerusalem back home. And so he sees the temple, this temple made out of bricks, and he sees something strange happening because he sees not blood flowing in the temple, which was the usual thing you would have seen because sacrifice were made sometimes tens of thousands of animals were sacrificed so to see blood flowing in the, the temple was usual but he saw something unusual and he saw water beginning to flow from the temple and this 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 water flowed it seemed from the heart of the temple and began to start what we're told is like as a trickle just a few droplets of water flowing out of the temple of God and flowing eastward which is always a redemptive direction to travel in and so this 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 water begins to flow and he, he notices that the water is rising and this angel calls ezekiel around and he gets him to come and to stand in the river so it's ankle deep and so he's walking in this river and then he's noticing that the river starts to rise and it goes to his knees and then he notices again that the river is rising fast and so it comes up to his waist and then a moment happens and you know that moment like in a swimming pool there's a point in the depth where you're like your feet begin to like lose touch with the ground and like you're kind of walking but you're kind of like your whole weight is kept up and you just bob around and suddenly this moment happens for Ezekiel until the moment comes when the water rises so far that he has to start treading water and his only thing to do now is to swim. So he's swimming in this river that is flowing from the temple of God and he has to to swim to the side of the riverbanks and he climbs out of this river dripping wet to notice what is happening because there is the, the, the temple here and out into the wastelands is this desert land, the Arabah, which literally means dry lands. It's a desert and this river is flowing into this desert place and wherever the river is going, life is popping up trees and fish are finding life and fruit are bearing from the trees and we're not only this but this is miraculous life because we're told that these trees have leaves that are for the healing of the nation so this is not just any ordinary life this is a miraculous life that is sprouting up wherever the river of god flows he's seeing this amazing vision and what ezekiel saw in that moment where the temple burst forth with this water was a prophetic moment that was going to come hundreds of years later where the true temple jesus christ was going to come ezekiel saw this temple that it was made out of bricks in jerusalem but the true temple as we know was made out of flesh In Jesus Christ and Jesus, when he came studying the scriptures and in prayer, he understood even as he traveled year after year to this temple that Ezekiel prophesied, he knew that he himself was the fulfillment of this temple and he knew that one day he would be the birthing of Ezekiel's vision that he saw and jesus christ at the age of 33 knowing that he was a true living temple he went and willingly allowed himself to be crucified as the true temple as the true priest as the true and final sacrifice that was sacrificed for us on our behalf for our sin that we might know and enjoy god for something miraculous to happen and when jesus christ became the final sacrifice for us, John tells us this very strange and random physiological detail. When you read the Gospel of John, like, he is so uninterested in historical details. He is like this theologian with like IQ points that go off the chart. And so he has all this depth and understanding and knowledge of theology. And so he's not particularly interested in like, the details of the history when you read the book. Sometimes it's confusing, like, have we jumped scenes here or what's going on in this moment? And yet, when it comes to Christ's death, he points out this super strange thing that when a Roman soldier pierces Jesus' side with a spear, not only does blood come out, but he points out that blood and water flows from his side. Why would John take the time to point out a strange physical... There are many other physical act, things that he could have... Why does he point this thing? Because I think John knows about Ezekiel's prophecy. And he is telling us that in the death of Christ, this prophecy that one day the rivers of God will fill the earth are now beginning to be fulfilled in Jesus Christ. And when this water trickles from the side of Jesus... We are beginning to see the fulfillment of this vision that Ezekiel saw. And the water of life flows from Jesus Christ. And Jesus told his disciples, and he says, Don't go anywhere, don't leave Jerusalem, but pray. Because when I go to the right hand of the Father, I'm going to pour out my spirit on you. What was symbolized in my death, now I'm going to gush forth over your life. The river of God is going to break forth into the disciples lives as so the disciples wait and they pray and they t- talk to God and ask him and they recount the promises you told us Jesus, they're waiting they're waiting they're waiting and then suddenly the Holy Spirit gets poured out on the disciples and the river of God deepens from a trickle to an ankle and we're told that Jerusalem was filled with the word of God, a church in this spiritual desert land, this church of 5,000, 7,000, 10,000 believers using spiritual gifts, praying out, encouraging one another, sharing the gospel, starting new churches, responding to persecution with love. This miraculous life was being birthed in the Arabah. And from Jerusalem, the river of God rose again to Judea and rose again to Samaria. And then, as we have gone on, the river of God has flowed. So it now covers almost every corner of the earth, as Jesus promised. He said, you'll be my, my witnesses, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And today, you can go to almost every country on the face of the earth and those who are actively fighting christianity and find that the river of god has birthed forth into that place and we as trinity church london find ourselves in the middle of this great river where god is bringing life to the nations and the interesting thing about this river is that god loves to he loves to cause new tributaries for the for the river of God. He loves to create new sources of the river new headwaters that would bubble up that life would start to form so there's this large river of life and yet God loves to create new sources new tributaries that would serve this river and most normally God starts these new tributaries of the rivers of God through spiritual gifts and I want to suggest particularly through the prophetic gift is why pete encouraged us at the beginning you know that word in 1 corinthians 14 1 eagerly desires especially that you might prophesy because the gift of prophecy is a moment where god speaks into our lives through us and we know when god speaks life is birth right genesis 1 god speaks and there is the heavens and the earth god speaks there is light and there is there is light and darkness there is day and night when God speaks life miraculous by life we're saved because God speaks into our soul and our soul received it and suddenly we're born again and we see Jesus and this is miraculous life that, that happens and when this prophetic word comes into our life it's almost like channels of irrigation are formed if we allow the word to dwell in our hearts so that the water of God can flow into our life Sometimes very small. I found out about this bay. Some of you might have seen it. It's going around on like YouTube and stuff like that. Wa- Waima Bay. Has anyone seen this in Hawaii? Basically, Waima Bay in Hawaii is this kind of um, beach, and on one side is the sea, and on the other side is this lake. And basically, the river that serves this lake, the, I think it's just the Wyama River. I'm probably saying that word wrong, so my apologies. But anyway, during the winter, this lake gets stored up with water and rainwater, and it flows from the mountains and gets stored up in this lake. And then there is this beach, and then there is the sea. And it's like a bit of a like, surfer's kind of hotspot. So there are all these surfer dudes basically waiting for the moment where the lake has risen, to the point that they can do something really cool. And what they do is a few of them they go get spades and they dig a small trench next to where the lake is, where the lake meets the beach. And then all they do from that point onwards is leave it. They dig enough so this small trickle starts to go down this little ditch that they've created. And then after about two or three hours, apparently, they just step back and let nature do its thing. And after two or three hours, what has been created from the lake to the sea is this almighty rushing river from the lake to the sea. So they're creating these like standing waves, which is why they do it, because they want to like surf these amazing waves. These standing waves that just stay there. And the, the current is so strong that if you step into it, you'll just be ripped off your feet. And it's like 10, 15 meters wide and where did it start this one small dig of a spade to allow a small trickle of this lake to start that is so often how the prophetic starts in our life we receive one word and we allow it we weigh it and we give it space in our lives and we act on it and suddenly what starts as a trickle We don't know in however many years' time we'll end up being this flowing river that will rip you off your feet if you dare try and get in. Power from a small word. Which is how we were started as a church. Our origins are not in human ingenuity. There was no committee or no strategic plan to start Trinity Church London. We were started by a prophetic word. That's our source as a church just one word i'm not even sure if trevor who shared this word with me even particularly knew that he was speaking on behalf of god which i take as a great encouragement and let me just say this to you i think sometimes we don't share what we feel we have because we don't feel like we've had some like ezekiel you know i i didn't get taken up to the seventh heaven like paul i didn't see angels i you know i have not had an angel touch me on the shoulder and give me that i didn't have that so what do I, I i this didn't happen trevor just had this picture of me in this particular scenario and what he didn't know is that about three years earlier all summer i had this had this picture every time i got on my knees to pray i had this picture And I just wrote it down so it wouldn't disappear from my mind and my heart. And so when Trevor shared this picture of me, I don't know how prophetic he thought it was. God spoke in that moment and I knew exactly what he was saying. And suddenly this new tributary had been formed. The first thing that we do with a prophetic word, right, is we weigh it. So I gathered Steve and Trevor and asked to meet them straight after that day's conference. I I just need to talk to you. I laid everything. I poured out my heart. I shared all the coincidences I thought were God and they weighed it. And they said, we need to pursue this. Weighing prophetic words is not just, is it right? Is it wrong? That's like foundational level. But most actually fit within a wisdom category of how much weight do I give this in my life am I going to act on this am I going to do something with this word is this something that I need to put on a shelf because there's nothing I can do about it so I just some words are like that I just leave it and pray right you just that's good some acts no. You know this requires me to do something and to walk forward in faith this requires me to step forward and so suddenly what happened is that spiritual gifts began to get given to other people To add to this trickle that was one day going to become Trinity Church London. We're told in Ephesians 4 that God gives apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors and teachers. So we had apostles who went before us as a church to break ground and to raise finance and to create faith in others. People had dreams that meant that they joined the team. Some people were spoken to. There was a lady in Dubai who a lady who she was umming and ahhing about moving to London to join the church. And someone spoke to her and says, I have the word London for you. Didn't know what she was thinking about. Another person, I won't name names. They were umming and ahhing. Do I join the church? And they were going to a conference asking God, would you please speak to me? Should I be joining this Planting team into Central London, and at this conference, everyone had a card that people had prayed over. And she picked up her card and turned over, and it was a picture of Big Ben in Central London, where we were going to meet for our first like. And she knew God. She's like, "Oh, okay. God, God speaks through spiritual gifts, and we have been led every step of the way as a church." through sensing the Spirit and Spirit, uh, gifts of faith. James 5 talks about gifts of faith. One of the early gifts of faith I think we had was when Abdullah shared with a small group of us that we should be praying for 10 baptisms in our first year. It's just, just this moment of confidence in God. Let's, trust god for this and sure enough by the end of that year our last or second to last sunday we baptized nine and ten people in that year that was a gift of faith that was a spiritual gift that was given to us there was this sense that we had that we're going to be moving on from our venue and there was no reason to because it was like everything was good in the double tree If anyone there in the double tree days it was fine right But we had this sense that we were going to be moving on. So when they called to say, we need you out in a month or two because we're doing a refurbishment, what happened was not anxiety, but this moment of excitement and faith. God is alive. It's just like 1 Corinthians 14, 26. He's actually living and leading us as a church. Steph spoke to us at the weekend away about evangelism. Suddenly, so what do we do? We hear the prophetic word and we orientate ourselves around the the prophetic. How do we push into what we sense God doing leadership always serves the spirit spirit doesn't jump to our leadership so we sense what are you doing in this moment god and we've been moving into that fussy prophesied over us at the end of last year and he said the river of god is going to flow from you as a church trinity church as the thames flows out eastwards i don't know what that means but i resonate with it and also um Ale shared, like two weeks later, he didn't know this, Ale shared like, this, this, this vision or picture that he had about Trinity Church being these like little motorboats going out along the Thames, out eastward, into all these little tributaries. And so I hear that like, like back to back. I'm like, what? God, what are you saying in this traveling as the river flows of the Thames? And do you, a minute, I, I, um, I've told most of you now, it's like ad nauseum, but in about three weeks' time, I'm going to Australia. Yeah, thanks. (laughs) I'm kind of excited. I also got the itinerary through this week. And I was like, I was like a bit brought down to ground a bit. I was like, all these plans to go surfing, hug koalas, you know, run along the trails. I was like, oh, when am I going to do all that fun stuff? Uh, I actually have to work. I forgot. I've got to do some work while I'm there. But anyway, I had been umming and ahhing with Charles about should I do this or not? said no and then i come back and i no. And then once the tickets were booked and they booked them for me, and like it's a bit of a gulp moment because I'm not like I don't particularly like going long distances and all that stuff. Like suddenly, oh, the tickets are booked. We are doing this. Me and Kiki are going to Australia to serve this church out there for like 12 days or so. And then a couple of weeks later, I was at a conference and someone who I did not know, I'd met them like five minutes earlier. He said, does Australia mean anything to you? I have had zero connection with Australia. No family members, no nothing with Australia, never been. And suddenly, and he starts prophesying into Australia, not knowing our uh, tickets had just been booked a few weeks earlier. And suddenly, so I'm going with this confidence. I'm like, God, you are leading us in this. You're going with us. There is, and suddenly faith rises. Right? So I'm going to pray in faith that he will do something while I'm there. Amen. Paul says in Galatians 3, Having begun by the Spirit, are you now going to be perfected in the flesh? And I think there's a moment where, especially if, as a church grows, there's a temptation to think, you know, well, the early vulnerable days where we needed the Spirit, right? Because we've got nothing else. <laughs> we need to pray. We need the Spirit. And then there comes a tipping point where, hey, the room feels quite nice. Like the setup seems to happen. Like church seems to run on autopilot. It doesn't, by the way. There's a lot of people like frantically going like this underwater. But it seems like if you're a guest and you're amongst us like, hey, Like let's let's, uh, and we've got leadership gifts in the room. So uh, let's kind of think about what would be cool and smart for this moment. Now, the temptation is to think, well, we started by the Spirit, but kind of Holy Spirit, we got this now, right? We're gonna we'll take this on. Thanks for getting us going, but it's us now, right? We we think we can do this, forgetting there is always the Holy Spirit, and there will always be the Holy Spirit who builds His church. And so my question is, how do we respond? In a year like this, if the river is going to deepen. Because there are two things that are true that may seem opposite but are both true at the same time. The first is this that the Holy Spirit blows wherever He wants to blow. Amen? The Holy Spirit is sovereign. No one can stop the Holy Spirit. He's the Lord. He does whatever He pleases. He blows to the east, He blows to the west, He blows to the north. He'll blow on a church, He'll blow on a ministry. He'll blow on a city. He'll cause a revival. He does whatever he wishes, with or without us. That's true. And yet at the same time, we can quench the work of the Holy Spirit in our midst. We can grieve the Holy Spirit, we're told. It is possible for us in the flesh to stop some of the work of the Holy Spirit and not allow him to work. These two things are equally true. And so with these two things in mind... How do we respond? And I want to just share some things with you in this year if we're going to walk with God. Can I do that with you? All right. The first thing is this. As a church and as individuals, we're going to need to cultivate really good hearts. Really good hearts. Ephesians 4 says this. Talking about... This uh, godly living. And right in the middle, there is this phrase about not grieving the Holy Spirit. And I think grieving the Holy Spirit here is not just another thing to do, but actually is something underneath. That by not following Paul's instructions, we actually have the ability to grieve the work of the Holy Spirit in our midst. So he says this um, verse, sorry, verse 28 Let the thief no longer steal but rather let him labour doing honest work with his own hands so that he may have something to share with anyone in need. Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such as is good for building up as fits the occasion, that it may give grace to those who hear. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit, by whom you are sealed for the... Day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you, along with all malice. Be kind to one another, tender hearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. I want to suggest that it's very difficult to expect the fullness of the Holy Spirit in our lives if we are holding on to some of these attitudes towards other people. We can't be clamouring in our hearts and anger and bitter towards life and people around us and yet come to Sunday and expect the fullness of the Holy Spirit because unwittingly we have dropped these ungodly rocks into the flow of God in our life and we're asking him to bless us and yet we are keeping these rocks and these boulders and these dams that are stopping the Spirit of God and grieving him. Let me get a little bit more sensitive. Let me read 1 Corinthians chapter 6. Flee sexual immorality. Every other sin a person commits is outside the body, but the sexually immoral person sins against his own body. Or do you not know that the body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God? You are not your own, for you are bought with a price. So glorify God in your body. Let me say a few words in grace. Pornography has got a hold of our society, right? I, I, I feel genuinely grateful that I was born before like, mobile phones were just ubiquitous. If I'd had a mobile phone as a 12-year-old, like, I dread to think where I would have gone. And, and pornography has gripped so many people. And it stops sometimes the flow of God in people's lives. Prophetic words have been stopped and damned up because pornography has gripped a heart. Men and women. And if we're going to walk in the fullness of God, and if you want to walk in the fullness of God, there has to be a pursuit of repentance and holiness. Knowing that the journey may be bumpy to walk away from pornography, but the journey has to be towards holiness right i don't think we can expect the fullness of the blessings of god while we are still holding on to this satan-like grip that he gets on people's hearts we are overcomers in in jesus christ amen we can overcome through the power that he gives us so i'm I'm, at the end i'm not going to make any appeals not because i know this is so sensitive But if you struggle with pornography and you want the fullness of God, what I'm asking is would you reach out to someone and the very first thing to do is tell someone about it? Because you immediately break the power of Satan when you put something that is hidden in darkness into light. And what you suddenly realize is as soon as you confess it and put something in the light, one, so much of the power is broken. And then also you realize you're not the only one because Satan wants you to feel like full of shame full of loneliness, like you're the only one who is battling this and you're not. So let me ask us, church, would, could we walk in sexual holiness, like purity, and do stuff like radical? Jesus says, you know, cut off your hand. It was, it was figurative. The old person in church history took that literally. He was being figurative. Um, but what he, Jesus says is be... Be ruthless. I mean, I'm going to put that out there, right? I'm just going to say something that is going to be so like, like, why do we need Instagram? I just said it. I said it. All right. I'm sorry. Why do we need Instagram? If Instagram is leading you like a trickle, not into the spirit of God, but into lust and pornography, Why? what's the big gain in having an Instagram account I mean if you're an Instagram influencer well, you might have a K I, I don't know I'm not saying there's no judgement if you keep an Instagram account but I'm like why keep, why keep something that is actually causing you to stumble that's all I'm saying it might not be Instagram for you it might be something else but why keep the thing why well, it's pros and cons I get bl- yeah but Jesus said cut your hand off like, well, you, you know what I'm saying okay Oh, how to lose a church okay <laughs> all right the second thing so we need to cultivate a good heart notice this with Ezekiel when he's walking in he's not feeling something right he's just seeing the river of God come this is not about whipping up an emotional moment because the Holy Spirit comes in so many different sometimes he fills us with this overwhelming joy sometimes there's this unbelievable peace and this quiet the Holy Spirit does all sorts of things we're not chasing an emotion here we're chasing God himself, amen so firstly we cultivate a godly heart the second is we're to hold on to the prophetic listen to what Paul says in 1 Thessalonians 5 he says don't quench the Holy Spirit so it's obviously possible to do that how do not despise prophecies but test everything hold fast to what is good and I want to suggest in the way Paul argues that is that the way that we quench the Holy Spirit is by despising prophecies the prophetic word maybe through a secular cynicism oh like I've heard that before I know that like well you know a a cynical view of like Oh, really is that really like you just despise it or you think right oh, it's not really my comfort zone so i despise it sometimes we despise the prophetic word by not holding on to what god has given to us he says here but test everything that is way and then hold fast to what is good so if a word has been spoken into your life and you've weighed it with others around you and there is a witness in your spirit that the holy spirit is speaking what we do is we hold on to that word. We pray, we act, we look to God with it, we keep it before Him, we keep it before us. Say, Lord, take me deeper into this. Like when God speaks about Australia, I'm not like, well, that's pretty cool. I'll just sit back and, you know, like, no. God, would you, do some, would you use these 12 days in ways that I could not have imagined? Would you fill, fill those words? So it's not just a trip, but ministry and the, the river of God is expanded and deepened in Sydney as we may a deposit. We, suddenly faith rises up. So we, we must take hold of the prophetic. So let me ask you, what has God spoken to you in your life? In your past? Some of you are here because of God's prophetic leading. Like, What, what is God saying to you? And, and bring that before him. Use that to fuel your, your prayer life. Amen? So we must hold on to the prophetic word. Thirdly, we must allow the river of God to take us into unexpected places. I, I, there's a guy called Jules. Some of you know Jules. He does these like London tour guide things. And uh, me and Matt are a bit of a fan of this guy. And uh, you can Google him. Like, he just t- picks an area of London and then he like, just shares all these amazing facts about like, this stone that you've walked past 10,000 times. Like, did you know, you know King Henry VIII sat on that stone? Or something like random like that. And you're, like, you, you just walk around London differently. Anyway, he, he did this thing around Sloan Square. And he pointed out that in Sloan Square, a station that from a kid I've been passing like, regularly above the station above these two platforms there is this like iron like uh, rectangular thing that crosses the two and I was like I don't know I just thought it was like cables or something apparently through this thing over the two platforms flows the river Westbourne I was like what so I pointed out to Tora, like, I was amazed and thankfully she was amazed as well I was like oh, thank, thank. I don't feel like a total geek here like that is actually a river that flows from Hemel Hempstead. It's a posh river and it comes all the way from Hemel Hempstead and it flows through Hyde Park and they had to channel it somehow. And as they were digging the t- the, the, the tubes, they had to channel the river and so they created this bridge over the platforms of Sloan Square. I said, so The river of God, the river of God, it's, it's posh, but it's not that posh. It's, it's, it flows over your heads so you're thinking where's the river right the river's it's got to be somewhere down here it's underneath us and yet all along the river like there's a river flowing over your head like it doesn't make sense and I I just feel like I think God is going to lead us into some unexpected places that there will be moments where as a church we're looking down at our feet thinking what's the next thing and if we're not careful we're going to miss it because the next thing is going to be over our heads in a place we never expected we have to stay flexible. We never thought we'd be in this building, for starters. I mean, most of us are still surprised that we're part of this church. Like it wasn't part of our plans, and yet God spoke and led us, and we're here. Isn't it a God story, right, that we're here? It's God's, and so we've got to be ready that actually there's going to be some twists and turns and unexpected places we're going to end up as individuals and as a church. So we must be ready for that. The fourth thing I want to suggest is that we need to make sure that we don't dam up the blessings for ourselves. There is a real danger that where the river of God wants to flow, we want to stop it and say like, I see all these blessings coming my way, these spiritual blessings, these blessings over my life, I see blessings of breakthrough. I love these blessings. And we just want to kind of like just put a stop here and just accumulate more and more blessings when the river of god was never meant to be dammed up it was meant to flow into our lives and out of our lives jesus said to me in john 7 that out of your heart will flow rivers of living water not into your heart and there it ends out of your heart will flow rivers of living water and there is a real danger and a temptation for us to take the blessings of God and to dam them up into like a nice, pleasant lake, which apparently is what happened with the Westbourne River. So back in the 1700s, I've been watching these videos, right? Back in the 1700s, the Georgians, they dammed up the wither, the wither, the wither Westbourne. I can't even talk no more. I've gone all cockney. Anyway, it's gone like... <laughs> oh dear. It flowed underneath the Hyde, uh, the Hyde Park, Hy Park, and the, the Georgians decided. Actually, we want to create like a nice lake in Hyde Park, and so they dammed up the River West, West Westbourne <laughs> to create what we now know as the Serpentine, right? So you can go like you can go boating and you can swim if you like goose poo in your face and all those kind of things. <laughs> like it's just a nice place to like hang out, right? They wanted this nice place. And that's our our temptation, I think, often as Christians, that we become more like a lake than a river, that we receive the blessings and we think this is good for me. I want to take these away, store them up in my life. I, I feel good about God right now. This is good. And we just carry on with the rest of our life. It's the attitude that says, I want to come to church. You might even have notebooks. Oh, so someone's going to prophesy over me today. I'm going to get prayed for today. I'm going to feel good. I've, is the worship going to be good for me today? Or is it? No, I don't know. Oh, it was a good Sunday, bad Sunday. And you take these things, you might even treasure them away in your life and store them up in your heart like Mary. And yet you have just become a lake because you're not thinking, how does this blessing become a blessing to other people? How is the flow of the river of God going to come into my life and then flow through me? I want to suggest that unless we remain as a river the waters of God are going to become stagnant in our life unless we are thinking how do I take this and let it be a river in my life to other people we are going to remain spiritually energyless. we're going to struggle unless we are thinking how does this flow from my life so we take the blessings and we know these blessings are so that I can bless others and we take the river of God and let it flow. That's where the power is, right? I mean, the serpentine's nice. Some churches are kind of lakes. It's kind of nice. nice to be around. But think of the River Thames, how much power, how much good that does, how much industry, how much commerce. All that the River Thames does because it flows. Amen? And that's us as a church. So how are some of the ways we can flow? Very quickly. It's just some... How how do we let it flow through us? The first thing I want to say is this, we give financially. Because Jesus says where our heart is, sorry, where our finances, there our heart is also, right? And you can have a quick indication as to whether you are a flowing river or a growingly stagnant lake by whether you're giving away to the mission of the church and the kingdom of God and the nations if your money remains with you it's a very quick indicator like you don't have to do any praying about it just open your bank account that's fine like you just Holy Spirit okay my money's going 100% to me you've become a lake but if you're following God and say I want to give generously to the mission I want to be on mission I want to give I want to do what the early church did I want to take this and see what God has done in my life and I want to pour it out to others then suddenly you become a river and the river of God flows through your life what we're going to do and i i acknowledge we've not been good at talking about giving as a church as part of our worship so every month now the first sunday of the month please come don't avoid this one now i've just said this you're like oh thanks daniel now i know which one to be away it's really good we're going to take a moment in the service to have an act of giving or act of thanksgiving, an act whether you give online or standing order or direct, like whatever you do, or whether you give every time. In a like, but we're going to have a moment of acting out and thanking God and making. We're going to, with our finance, we're going to, because this is how we're going to create a flow of the Holy Spirit of God. Steve Oliver gathered a, a bunch of leaders, like the, uh, I forget when it was, a while back now. Anyway, what I remember is it was just after we'd taken up a special offering as a church, and Steve said, "We as leaders." We need to be those who do a spiritual unblocking for the rest of the church. And like, Steve often asks, you know, can I do this? And I've always to say, yes, of course, Steve, do anything you like. It's fine. So he said, of course, go for it, Steve. So he asked the leaders. And like, the leaders gave, like I don't know, 12, 13, 14... 1000 pounds like just there and then one saturday morning out of the blue just to unblock something so that we can see the river of god I'm so grateful that we are a generous church but we must if we're going to see the river of god rise continue to to give away i want to suggest we need to get to prayer meetings be they zoom or in person i know because our parish is london that is tricky but we are trying to just Really raise the priority of prayer, and one little thing we're doing was we're trying to get a new venue for our Wednesday night prayer meeting. So we're trying to get it basically across the road from Victoria Station to cut that 10 minute walk, and we're trying to get a nice, new, comfy place because our current hall is okay, but like when it's cold and dark outside, it's not like the most inviting place. So we're trying to get a better space because. Prayer is a priority. And prayer so often, you can leave a prayer meeting, right, thinking, hmm, okay, I go home then. Right? Have you ever had that feeling? Like you might come with great hopes and expectations. Think, I worshipped, I prayed. and Praying is often more about giving than receiving. But when we gather together in prayer, we are on the front edge of irrigating the soil of London so that the river of God can flow. So many of the blessings that we're living in right now are because people gathered in small numbers to pray and to seek God's face and to ask for his kingdom to come. So we need to be those who gather in prayer. We need to place the kingdom of God as a priority over our careers and our comfort. That our careers may be the the way that God leads us to another place. But actually, it's the kingdom of God that is our first priority. It's the first lens in which we look at life and promotions and new jobs and moving. It's, is this part of what God has for me in the kingdom of God? And if this career, this promotion, this comfort is a distraction, I'll say no to that to keep my vision on the kingdom of God. Because Jesus said, seek first the kingdom of God. And all these things will be added to you. So the priority is the kingdom of God as we go forward. I we need to share what God's doing with those around us on a Monday the way did on a Sunday. It's, such that it's like the easiest little thing. Though you go to work on Monday, what do you do at the weekend? May church and may the Lord Jesus Christ be the first thing on our lips. I went to church on Sunday. And share. We're going to be the river of God. Amen. As we were praying earlier um, there was a few words that came in this sense that this this power washing was going to happen and that there was going to be a washing away of some, not just sin but some attitudes and some habits even. The writer to the Hebrews says let go of all sin and anything that hinders. So it's not just like okay that's a really bad thing don't do that. It's like That's just not helping you in your walk with God. And I want us just to respond for a moment. And I'm going to ask you whether you really want to be in the river with Ezekiel. And whether for some of you at first, there is a washing away of some cynicism, maybe some sin, maybe some habits that have held you back. Maybe there is just one area even as I've been speaking with the Holy Spirit has just been niggling you and niggling you and niggling you. The awareness that you want the power of the Holy Spirit, the washing of the word to come and just wash you in that area of your life. Open to the Holy Spirit's work in our life. I feel like God has been for myself over the last month, two months or so, has almost, it's felt like a wrestling of my spirit into a fresh submission of him. And it's funny, because I can't really put my finger on anything in, like, objective, but it's just this feeling of, like, and I've just had this hunger, particularly, because I know one of the ways that I serve the church is through teaching and preaching. Just just, this, desire, Lord, I I don't want to just go through the motions, you know, for another year. Like, I don't want to just, like, Give another homily, give another half an hour of message, and you know, that's fine. But the like, power of God. <laughs> we, we, London is an Arabah of a dry wilderness, increasingly so. I, I don't think it's getting, I think it's hardening spiritually. Just comparing, Tori and I chatting about the difference between being in South Africa and, and being here in London and how evangelism is so different. I mean, it's, it's difficult on both sides. When you compare to other cultures, you just realize even just bringing up faith, just bringing up faith here is just like how difficult it can be. We need the river of God, amen, if we're going to see him deepen.